Romans 12.1. I am really, really excited about beginning a new series today that we're going to work on for a little while. I, as I prayed to end this past year and just looking for God's direction for His will and His purpose as we begin, as we're beginning 2018, uh, there was something that became very clear to me uh, as I prayed about our fasting to begin the year, about the messages God would have me to share, is that God wanted us to look at something that affects our lifestyle. Someone say lifestyle. You know, we're good in January of making resolutions and decisions and, and going to change this and going to change that, but they have a hard time lasting. And as I prayed through God, what are you saying to this church family? What are your plans for 2018 and how do we respond to you and how do we keep moving in our spiritual journey? Let me tell you something. It it became very real to me, several things. One, God wants you and I to keep moving in our walk with Him. How many will say amen to that? Let's don't get stuck. Let's keep moving on our spiritual journey. And so the word lifestyle began to begin really be impressed upon me as I prayed for, for me, for my family, for your family, for our church family. And so normally in January, we will have a concentrated time of prayer and fasting. It's very important. Prayer and fasting, an opportunity to draw near to God, a reminder. You know, I need God. I need more of God. I, I want to draw near to Him. Uh, we read in Scripture that if we draw near to God, He draws near to us. And so rather than a week or two of, of concentrated fasting, which is wonderful, we're doing something we've never done before this year. We're going to try to spread this out. And begin to develop a lifestyle or a pattern. So we began last Wednesday. That was the first one. There's seven more continuing this Wednesday that we're calling these Wednesday nights Fire on the Altar. We're taking our Saturday Fresh Fire Prayer that we've been doing for this whole past year. And we're going to cancel it for these eight weeks and focus everything in on that Wednesday night. We're calling it Fire on the Altar. I'm beginning a new series today entitled Altered. I want you to notice the spelling here. We didn't misspell something for all you, uh, for teachers and, 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 uh, you know, grammar folks and English majors and, and, and so th- there's normally, I want you to look at this. I want you to get this. Normally the word altered, which means changed or made different or something has been revised, is spelled A-L-T-A-R-E-D. I know how to spell. But purposefully, we came and we used the word altar. That's what's out. We're going to talk about the altar for the next eight weeks. And during this time, we're, we're talking about, we made a little play on words, altered, A-L-T-A-R. The altar is the root of this thing, hyphen D. What does it mean to live an altered lifestyle? How do I live a lifestyle of the altar? We're going to begin to study that on Sunday. On Wednesdays, we, I'm, I'm encouraging you, we began last week, to spend that day in fasting and prayer. Then we're going to come together on Wednesday nights and, and, and have a time of, of focused prayer and worship called Fire on the Altar. I'm so excited about what God is going to do. I want to encourage you. Let, let's don't forget about this. Make a note. Put it in your day timer. Put something on your phone right now. Put a reminder. Set an alarm. Wednesday, I'm going to fast. I'm going to draw near to God. Again, what is fasting? It is voluntarily withholding from food so that I can spend that time seeking God. Pastor, why do we do that? It's a reminder that I'm focusing on God, that I'm, I'm making a sacrifice. I'm saying no to me. To say yes to God. The Bible says that when people pray and fast, answers come to prayer that have not come before. Breakthroughs that have not happened begin to happen. Healing comes. Freedom from strongholds and bondage. And so here's, here's when I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us, let's not just do this for a week. Let's take eight weeks. Let's do this one day a week for eight weeks and see what God will do. I want to challenge you today. Don't, don't, don't say right now, well, I hope everybody else around here is doing this. No, it's just you and me talking right now, okay? It's, it's not anybody else. I want to ask you to take this challenge. I want you to take a spiritual journey with me as a church family over these first eight weeks. We've already had one uh, that, that we've done. There's seven more that are ready. I believe it's going to transform you. Say, Pastor, I don't know how to fast. It's simply... Drink water, drink liquids. Hey, let me say this. Maybe you're on medication and you can't do that. Uh, do what your doctor will allow you to do. Uh, I, I would encourage you to bring your family in on this. We're not asking for little children not to eat, but share with them what you're doing. Let them know why you're not eating. Uh, maybe they want to uh, give up candy that day. You say, oh, come on. Oh, you'll never know what that impact will make on a child. 
maybe maybe they want to turn, you know, don't do their video games that day. Or, or uh, boy, I've really, really prayed. I haven't done it yet because I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I want God to do it. I've thought about social media fasting. I think that could really be a lifestyle change. But I, I'm not saying that because God hasn't said that to me. But they're praying and fasting. What are we saying? I'm going to say no to something that's not wrong, that's not bad, for something better in my life. I, I, it's not wrong to eat, but I want to, I'd rather have the presence of God than eat. Let me ask you this. Are there any issues in your life you've been praying about for a while? Are there anything that just seems like it's not budging, it's not moving, it's not changing, it's not getting any better? What would it be worth to you to see that change? What would it be worth to see that situation uh, break open? I, I believe there are keys in prayer and fasting that nothing else will bring into our life. The most important thing, I want you to hear me, is that we're just drawing near to God. We're drawing near to God. Then we come together on Wednesday night. I know you're busy. I know there's a lot going on, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, in fact, we already had a healing miracle this first Wednesday night, just this past Wednesday. I believe there's something about the body of Christ getting together, getting in unity, doing something together. It's not what I have to do. It's what I want to do. It's, God, what would happen if we did this? What would happen? Think about this. What would change the spiritual atmosphere in this church if for the next seven weeks we came in here on Wednesday night and we just prayed and sought the face of God and worshiped and God began to... What about spiritual momentum beginning to build? You know, what if one church had revival happen? How would that affect our workplaces and our schools in this North Alabama area? I'm going to tell you, God has given us keys and tools, and I want to challenge you. Do something different. Make an accommodation. Take an hour out of your Wednesday night and be here and let's pray and fast and worship together. I'm just excited. It's going to be great. We're taking a spiritual journey together. So let, let's make sure we're ready, ready to do these things. It, it, it's going to be outstanding. Don't forget, uh, Life Track. We have over 50 people that's come through our last two Life Tracks. We're ready for you to connect, get involved, find out what's going on at Calvary. Please sign up for that. And by all means, dinner for eight. I believe one of the greatest things we can do here at Calvary is to get to know each other and have fellowship and get on the same page. Dinner for eight sign-ups are today. It was one meal a month for four months. It'll be for the most beneficial times you'll spend. So let's let's get involved in that. And we, we're excited. Romans 12.1. I want to begin my series entitled Altered. What does that mean? And maybe we need to really come to understand uh, what that word is. Everybody knows that somewhere in the front of a church is the altar. I've got an older altar-looking bench here that Pat Schatzline gave to Phyllis and I in this church just as a little visual reminder. Sometimes we think the altar is just a place at the front of a church. Sometimes we think that's the only place we can go. But I want us to begin to look at altar as a lifestyle. I want us to begin to understand why the altar. What does the altar mean? and How does this work in my life? Let's look at Romans chapter 12. And verse 1, as, as we begin, and, and I want to say to you, I want to ask you to ask yourself, what would happen if I really invested my whole heart in this eight-week journey that pastor is asking us to take? I'm not asking you to give me every day for eight weeks. I'm asking you to give God these Wednesdays, these next seven Wednesdays, you have one, and so, let's see what would happen. Well, Romans 12:1. therefore, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, yourselves, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. This says, this is your true and proper worship. Let me read it here from this translation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, let's break this down for a moment. He urges us in view of God's mercy. So he says, I want to challenge you to do something, but the challenge to live, to give him yourself as a living sacrifice is in light of God's mercy. What does mercy mean? Mercy means something I desperately need, but I do not deserve. How many have ever had the mercy of God in your life? Anybody? I, I'm standing here by the mercy of God. We're in this room by the mercy of God. We were saved by the grace of God. So he says, I want you to think with me for a moment. As I begin to teach you this, he says, as you begin to look at this, as we think about an altered lifestyle, let's begin with what God's done for us. Let's think about the mercy of God. 
How many of us today would say, Pastor, I am so thankful that God's mercy brought me to this place today. Amen. I'm so thankful that when I didn't deserve it, God still loved me. That when I had blown it, God forgave me. When there was nothing I could do, Jesus went to the cross for me. Thank God for mercy. So he says, in view of God's mercy, let's look at ourselves thinking about how good God's been to us. And he says, how should we respond to that? What is the response of a person who's encountered the mercy of God? Well, this is what he says. In view of God's mercy, he says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer, that's your choice, it's a will, your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you've heard me teach a little on this verse before, but, but this was a strange phrase to the Jewish culture that he was speaking to of the day. Of, of that whole entire culture. Because this word living and sacrifice was, was an oxymoron in the Old Testament. In other words, a sacrifice was something placed on the altar that gave its life so that the person offering it could be forgiven or be right before God. So when something was a sacrifice on the altar, it had always died. And now here he says, I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. So you're like, what in the world does that mean? Every sacrifice they had ever seen, everything they were familiar with, was an animal who gave his life so they could be right in the presence of God. And now he says, I want a living sacrifice. In other words, he's saying in the New Testament, there's a lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time introduction. It's not a Sunday morning thing. Anybody with me? He says, I want to transform the way you think about approaching God. I want to radically rewrite your concept of you and God. And what God really wants is not something dead, but something alive. But He wants it as a sacrifice on an altar. So He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to live altered. Now, here's what someone has said. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. How many can relate to that statement? How many of us has ever said, oh God, on a Sunday morning, come on, oh God, I belong to you, I love you, I'm going to serve you, I'm going to obey you, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, and then life turns up a little heat on us, so whoo, that altar's a little hot. Lord, I want to, I mean to, I'm thinking about it, I might do it. But he says, I want you to live an altered lifestyle. I want you to understand that what's really pleasing to God, when I think about his mercy, wow, when I think about how he changed my life, my family, how he forgave me, how he's changed my life. He says then, he says the proper response is a living sacrifice. Here's what you have to understand. You cannot have a sacrifice unless you first have an altar. So we're going to talk about this altered lifestyle. How we respond to God because we're so thankful for his mercy. Throughout the Old Testament... They began to build altars. Noah built the first altar after he came out of the flood. He, he just instinctively, I want you to realize this, men were building altars before there was a priesthood. Before there were buildings and tabernacles and temples, men were saying, God, in view of your mercy. See, Noah comes off that boat. You talk about mercy. Everybody on the face of the earth destroyed, but he and his family. How? What do you do? You say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And what did he do? He built an altar and, and, and he offered the sacrifice to God. And the Bible says in that very first altar that it was a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. That when we live an altered lifestyle, it pleases God. See, throughout the Old Testament, they built altars and altars and altars. It's where they encountered God. It's where they worshiped God. Isn't it interesting that in our culture today, when people have, when we've never faced more calamity and chaos and, and ungodliness that, that now we hardly hear about the altar in church anymore. People don't want to go to the altar anymore. We want to rush in and rush out. In other words, what we're teaching people in the church today is how to receive from God, but not how to respond to God. So you can, you can build a crowd telling people how to get what they want from God, but maybe we need to start learning how to give God what He wants from us in our life. Maybe we've taken the balance out of Christianity and we've lost the meaning. Here we're in a culture that's screaming for God and the church has taken away the one place you meet Him. It's at the altar. And not just the altar on Sunday. It becomes a lifestyle that we're living. 
view of the mercy of God. Throughout the Old Testament, they built altars and altars. And then, and then the Bible gets to tell us that from the New Testament, as we look back, those altars they were building were just an example. They were a shadow of the real altar that was to come. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 16. You see, altars began to be built, and, and, and even God gave Moses, 2 Corinthians 5, returning, God gave Moses a direction, and, and they built the tabernacle in the wilderness, and they journeyed through the wilderness, and it was an amazing tabernacle. It was a picture of, 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 of worship that we even see that it is a type of what heaven, uh, the inner place, the holy place looks like. And they built an altar made out of brass where animals were sacrificed. So man could come close to God. But it wasn't enough because they kept offering these and offering these and offering these. But they were just pointing to something that was coming. The Second Corinthians 5, 21, uh, 5 verse 16. Let's look at Second Corinthians 5 verse 16. So from now on, see, something happened. There, there was a shift, not dead animals, but people living for God. People having life. Not dead religion, not legalism, not bondage, but life and freedom. How do we really live a free life? How do we really break out of the past? How do things really change for us? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice to God? Not playing Christianity, but being a Christian. Anybody following me today? Not just putting on a show, but really meeting God. Really encountering God. Really seeing our life change. There's this place called an altar. Where we, where we do that. Here, watch this. So from now on, verse 16, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now the church struggles with that. The more we remove the encounter with God, the more we focus on man instead of God. And he says, so we no longer look at man from a worldly point of view. You know, have you ever been to church and, and, and they want to judge you by the way you look on the outside? You know, well, they don't look like a Christian. Well, what does a Christian look like? I've been in 40 countries, and I can tell you Christians look a lot different than you think they do. Some of them, you know, it's different. It's just different. I don't know what a Christian looks like. You don't know what a Christian looks like. Because we don't judge people from the outside. We, we don't want to look. When you come to Calvary, we're not going to try to determine if you're good or not by the way you look. It's red and yellow, black and white. They're precious in this sight. So we need to quit judging people by their skin color. We, if there's anybody that should not be prejudiced, it's a child of God who's experienced the mercy of God, who's a living sacrifice on the altar of God. We don't look at the way people the way the world looks at people. I don't care how long your hair is. Well, it's too long, it's too short. Who cares? Well, he's got a tattoo. Who cares? He's got a piercing. Who cares? I've told you, I've had several body piercings in my life. They were all accidental. They all hurt. I don't want to pay somebody to do to me what others did to me. Actually, I don't am good. But if you like, that's all right. Because I'm not worried about what you look like on the outside. The pastor said, Christians have green hair. I don't care. Should they have red hair? I don't care. They can have no hair, lots of hair, red hair, green hair, blue hair, white hair, gray hair, brown hair, no hair. I don't mind. Why? Because we, what happens now? See, something's happened to us. We've been altered. We, we, we're not who we used to be. We've been altered. We're living sacrifices. And we're learning that it's not on the outside that makes us who we are. It's who on the inside. I don't care if you have on designer clothes or Goodwill clothes today. See, you know, if you'll notice at Calvary, we, we, we don't have big giver seats and little giver seats around here. Come on, don't shout me down. If you'll notice, there are no reserve seats around here. No reserve parking places around here. Well, what do you mean? Well, because when you come, the, the, the guys are nice enough to put a reserve place back here for, for me to park. But you know what? If you want to park my place, have at it. Just pull on up and enjoy yourself. Why? Because, you know what? We all are the same level because we've come to the mercy of God. And it's not what we look on the outside. It's not my title. It's not, you know, if i got to stand up in a pulpit and pound my chest and say, I'm God's anointed, blah, blah, blah. I'm not. Do you know who I pastor in this church? The people who let me pastor them. You know who I direct into the things of God? Those who choose to let me direct them into the things of God. It's not what it looks like on the outside. I don't have to have a title. I need a relationship. I don't have to have a title. I need to have the anointing on my life. And if the anointing's on my life, it don't matter what you call me. See, it's, we don't look at people the way we used to look at people. That's not why we come to church. So let's keep reading. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on, what happened? He's a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new has come. That's altered, A-L-T-A-R hyphen D. You've been altered. You've encountered God. You've met God at a place where everything changed. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We were changed. See, what concerns me, if you take the altar experience away, wherever that altar may be, whatever it looks like, it doesn't matter to me. You can have an altar experience driving in your car. You can have an altar experience taking a shower. You can have an altar experience in the middle of the woods and at work in the break room. You, you can be altered. Your life can change wherever you determine, God, I want to encounter you. I want to bring what I have and I want to meet who you are. I want to leave what I've been and become who you put me on this earth to be. God, I don't want to play any games. I'm coming to you. The old is gone. The new has come. See, if we take the encounter with God out of our walk, men and women will never have a changed life. I can tell you something. I love this church. I've given my life to build this church under the direction of God. But I'm going to tell you something. Churches don't change people. God changes people. Now, if the church is following God, you should be able to meet Him there. And you should come to a place where you encounter Him. And then let's go down to verse 21. So how did all this happen? See, God made Him, who? Christ, who had no sin, all right, to be sin or a sin offering for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who knew no sin. So these altars began to be built. Noah built an altar just instinctively saying, God, I'm going to put something here as a memorial, a place of worship to encounter you and view your mercy. Thank you. You saved me. You saved my family. You you put your hand on us. And God, I'm going to build an altar because I need to encounter you here. A reminder, I am who I am by the grace of God. See, if I only visit God once a year, I might forget who he is and who I am. So we're talking about a lifestyle, a reminder, a memorial, where I'm coming to this thing and saying, God, I need to be altered today. I need to encounter you today. Thank you for yesterday, but today is a new day. And an altar is like a Holy Spirit GPS. It keeps you on track. The longer you stay away from the presence of God, the easier it is to think you're doing all right. The longer I stay away from the presence of God, the easier it is to forget how much I need Him. But every day I come back to the altar of God. I can tell you that when George Sawyer begins to pray, it's always a lot about me. See, somebody asked one time, what if God answered all your prayers? Would it affect anyone else but you? Did you hear what I just asked? What if God answered every one of your prayers? Would anybody know it but you? Lord, give me this. Lord, I need that. Lord, help me here. Lord, give me this. And that's kind of how we start off. Let's be honest. There's, when I pray, there's a lot of me. But if I really pray, see, if I quit just giving him my shopping list and I really get on the altar, then the strange thing happens. While I'm there, God says, you know, George, while you're here, I have some things I'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> okay, Lord. So what do you want to talk about? Well, you know, George... I love you. Thanks, God. And you're my son. Thank you, Lord. But, you know, there's a couple of things we need to work on here. Yeah, you're kind of right about that, I think. So let's do this. Let's say this this time. Let's go this way this time. You know, I wanted to help you over here, but you just ran right past me on that one. You know, I had an answer for you. and You, you, you talked before I, you listened to me, and you jumped here when I wanted to take you there. And, 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 and so while we're here, George, let's... You know, uh, if you'll be still for a minute here, I'm going to alter some things. Anybody? Is that, I'm the only guy that needs altered. While we're here, you know, you, let, let's let's get this. Your thinking's getting crazy over here, George. You, why are you talking like that? You've been watching Fox News too long. You need to be quiet. And, boy, I rattled the cage then, didn't I? Jesus. And some of you come over here and say, well, you know, you've been listening to CNN too much. And you, you, you know, you, you, need to, you need to turn the TV off and get on the altar. You, you, you've been fooling around here. And so we're altered. But see, somehow we've made the altar a place 
where, where it's like you're going to the principal's office. You get on Sunday. That's all we do in the church. All right, let's, we're going to have an altar call. Oh, you sorry sinners. Come on, man up. Get out of that seat. Confess you're a bad person. Walk down the altar. Come on. Let's beat you as you're coming. Come on. Come on down there. Everybody's looking. Oh, they're going to the altar today. Look who went to the altar. Oh, I thought that was Brother So-and-so. You know. And on on the way to lunch, the saints are talking, aren't they? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I was a deacon, I wouldn't be going to the altar. I'll tell you that. What makes him think he can be a deacon? Do you see him answer that altar? What's going on in his life? I thought he was a deacon. Here he's at the church, a deacon. He's at the altar. He's a deacon. But I know nobody would do that around here. We don't think like that, do we? You give an altar call. It's a tug of war. You say, okay, the altar's open. Let's come. It's like, oh, I'm not going down there. I'll tell you one thing. What will people say? Who cares? I don't think anybody in here died for you on the cross, did they? I don't think in a view of the mercy of God, anybody in this room was in that list on the front side of it. Wasn't it God? So we, we misunderstand what the altar is about. It's where I encounter God. It, it's, where, it's where he who knew no sin became a sin offering for me. That everything I did wrong could be forgiven. And do you think that's a one-time encounter? That I only need to go one time. Oh, there's the time I first made Him Lord and Savior of my life. But but we're under construction. Come on. We're not there yet. We're not who we can be. We're not who we were, but we're not yet who we are. And I need to begin to see that the best place on this planet for me is being altered in the presence of God when my heart is hit. When I'm saying, God, thank you for yesterday. Thank you for where I've come from. But God, I need to find you here. I, I need to hurry. But you're, you're seeing what we're doing in this place we're coming and and so all these altars that were built in the old testament all of those were pointing to one altar and you know the greatest altar that's ever been built on this planet was on mount calvary a cross where jesus spread his arm and he died for us and there on the ultimate altar we encounter the presence of god the altar is not where god beats on you it's where you come and willingly i urge you Offer, willingly say, here's my life, God. Not just on Sunday, not just when I'm in trouble, not just once a week, God. I want to love you, know you, follow you, see you. I want an altered lifestyle. Here I am. I want the cross in my life every day. Because that's the only place I find freedom and deliverance and release and transformation in my life. See, we, if, if we, we say here at Calvary, everybody's welcome to come to this church. We welcome everybody, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you come from. But I am not here to condone sin. I am here to introduce you to Jesus. And we say, come as you are, but leave as He is. That's the gospel. The gospel is not everybody's okay all the time. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel is no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, if you will meet Jesus, He'll change your life. Transformation is the power of the gospel. It's the altar. It's the cross. It's where everything begins to be changed in our lives. Man, i got to hurry. i I'm, I'm, I got so much I've been working on this. We're altered. We come to God and, and we give Him our life. Okay, I'm editing right now. That just I, that page is gone. So let's look at that Romans 3.23. Look there with me. This is kind of... We, we always read one verse and forget the other one. Let's go to Romans 3.23 and 24. Either in your Bible or on your device. Let's look at this. Romans 3. We, 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 need, a, we need an altar. Come on. How many needed an altar? You can say amen to that. We need an altar. But the altar is not just a one-time experience. The altar is a lifestyle. It's where we come to God on a daily basis. God, I need to be altered. Romans 3.23, look at this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, We've all blown it. We've all sinned. Come on, we established that. Nobody, I don't have to deal with that. You know that's true. And we usually stop there, but look at the next verse. But all are justified freely by His grace. Through redemption that came by Jesus. Just because everybody's sin doesn't mean God's given up on you. God's not through with you. He hasn't given up on you. And even though you sin, you can be justified. To be justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Wow. In the eyes of God. Just as if I'd never sinned. Why? 
Because Jesus on the cross made an altar for you and I, sinful men and women, blown it, weak, bondages, strongholds, addiction. We come in His presence and we're altered. We're forgiven, but we're changed in the same process. I just want to quickly go to, to, to something here. Let's go to, uh, to Genesis chapter 32. Because we're going to begin to do something for a few weeks. And we may do it the rest of this year. But for the next few weeks, I'm committed that whatever I have to do in my preaching, we're, we're, we're going to take time to be altered in these services. I want you to go with me to Genesis 32. Let me give you, while you're turning there, in verse number 22. Genesis 32, 22. We know that Abraham was a man that God said, I'm going to make you great and I'm going to give you uh, descendants and a great nation will come through you and I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing to the earth. And Abraham took that journey and it was 25 years before he received that son, Isaac. And then Isaac had his two sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was the second born. Esau was the one who had the birthright and the blessing of the firstborn. But Jacob's name means deceiver or supplanter. And Jacob took his brother's birthright, sold it to him for a, a pot of food when his brother Esau had come in from hunting. And brother Esau was impetuous and, 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 and a man that, that was, was, you know, take, forget tomorrow, let me get through today. And, and for one pot of stew, Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob and he began to resent it and, and wish it never happened. And then Jacob's mother heard uh, her husband Isaac talking about he's dying and I want to give Esau my blessing. Boy, you talk about some dysfunctional family members going on and favoritism. Can I tell you something? Even though your family hasn't been perfect, you can be altered and God can break every curse. And take you past the rejections of men. How many are thankful for that today? See, when you're altered, listen, when you're altered, you stop being a victim. You stop living a life that, that is what it is because everybody else wasn't what they should have been. See, when you finally get tired of living under the stronghold of other people's failures and you decide you're going to be what God called you to be and, and no matter what anyone else has done, you can walk through the altar and God will break down everything anybody ever did for you. But if you like being a victim... If you like always being behind and never enough, if you like blaming everybody else for you being who you are, then don't go to the altar. Stay away from it. If you want to be a victim, you want to be a loser, you want to be an oh, woe is me, you want to live all your life blaming somebody, don't go near the altar. But when you're ready to get out of all that, Jacob's mother came to him and said, Jacob, your brother, your father's about to bless your brother. We're going to have to steal the blessing. Can you imagine? So he's gone out to kill an animal and said his brother was a hairy man and, and, and Jacob's was smooth skinned. So his mom cooks his dad's, her husband's favorite food and, and she gets, uh, Esau's clothes and puts them on Jacob and, 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 and they kill an animal, put him on his arms. He must have been a hairy rascal, you know, put him on there. And, and, and so his father is now blind. He was so old and he comes in and his father said, is that you Esau? And Jacob lies and says, yes, it's Esau. And, and, and they give him the food. He said, well, you don't sound like it. He said, well, I'm, e I'm Esau. And he said, let me feel your arm. He said, yeah, you're hairy like Esau. And he said, well, I smell your clothes. You must be Esau. And Jacob lied, 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 deceived. Every blessing Jacob ever had, he had stolen that blessing by his own ability. His father bless, gives his brother his blessing. And his brother comes in right after that to his dad and says, I'm ready to be blessed. He said, I've already blessed you. And Esau says, my brother's going to pay for this. So his mother says, you better get out of here and run off. And Jacob leaves and he goes... And marries two sisters. And that's a crazy story. I don't have time for it today. And if you think that's a good idea, you don't need counseling. You need the altar. Because if you're that crazy, they're not going to talk you back right. Is that clear enough? If you're that crazy, nobody's going to talk you out of that crazy. You need to be altered. Everybody hear that? I'm telling you, you're too crazy to get help. There are some people on this earth, or you listen to me, you're too crazy to be helped. Maybe you're not here. You're just too crazy. You're broken. I'm not lying. You're broken. You could never get there by yourself. 
But one day on this altar, God can take the crazy out of you and heal you and deliver you and break that stronghold. And the craziest reprobate on the planet can meet the Holy One wise God at an altar called the cross. And your life can be changed forever. So Jacob goes off and see the boy's still messed up. He's messed up. We get here to Genesis 32. He burned all his bridges with his father-in-law. He's got nowhere to go but back home, but Esau's waiting there to kill him. What are you going to do? See, somewhere I want you to hear me. You're going to, if everything you've ever had in life is due to your own maneuvering and planning and working and ability, you're going to run out of spaces and places sometime in your life. What's Jacob going to do? We find him here in Genesis 32. And finally, he sends his his brother's going to meet him the next day. He's scared. He's sending gifts ahead of himself to try to appease his brother's anger. He divides his family up, sends them out to this group and that group. In case he kills these, these others can go away. And finally, Genesis 32, for the first time in his life, look at verse 24. So Jacob was left alone. Do you know that no one can go to your altar for you? See, you can't call a pastor. Pastor, could you go to the altar for me today? I can pray for you, but I can't go to your altar. Everybody with me? You've got an altar with your name on it. And it's not a bad place. It's the greatest place in your life. You've got to go by yourself. Nobody can do that one for you. So Jacob was left alone probably for the first time in his life. Let, let me hurry. It says, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, in the book of Hosea, Hosea refers to this and says it was an angel sent by God. And they began to wrestle. A little hard to understand. What does this mean? But, but, but so, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now listen to me, there were a lot of things wrong with old Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver. But there's one thing Jacob had going for him that a lot of us don't. Is that he would not give up. He continued to persevere. There are a lot of us that will go to the altar and pray for three seconds. And if it doesn't happen, we're done. But this guy said, you know what? I'm at the end of the end. My father-in-law, I can't go back there. And my brother wants to kill me. And I'm alone for the first time in my life. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until something happens in my life. And somewhere you and I come to the end of ourselves and say, I'm not the answer and I'm going to put everything, pardon the, the terminology, but I'm going to put all the chips on the table. And if God doesn't do something, I have no other place to go in my life. That's the altar. It's a living sacrifice. So he says, here I am. He says, you're going to have to bless me. And, and he wrestled with the man. So, so look at verse 27. What happens before the blessing? It changes your life. Watch this. I've got to help you. The man asked him, what is your name? Do you think the angel didn't know his name? That wasn't for the angel. That was for Jacob. He said, watch this. Nobody can go to your altar for you. Go along. He says, so what's your name, partner? You know who I am. He said, no, you tell me. Who are you? So you've got to own who you are. You've got to be honest about who you are. He didn't say, what your mama do and your daddy do? He said, who are you? He said, well, I'm a deceiver. Every blessing I ever had in my life, I stole from somebody. Everything I got, I was, you know, you know, fast Freddy. I, I did it on my own. I was, you know, I got it with my strength. I tricked this one and lied to that one. See, some people think oh, life's a fire sale. All you're doing is waiting for somebody to get in trouble and you sweep in and make a profit. I'm, come on, don't, don't be looking at me like that. It's, it's, I did it. I did it. I did it my way. You know, it's my thing. Who are you? He says, I'm the tricker. I'm the deceiver. He says, okay, just so we know what time it is. You're going to have to get honest at the altar. That's why you may need to go to it more than one day. First time you get on the altar, you might want to get you get back off a little bit. So you get up there. Some of us get up there. He says, who are you? He says, I'll, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I... Huh? What's your name? How did you get her? What's going on with your life? He said, Whoop, that's a hot altar. I, 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 I'll be back. Huh? Who are you? He says, I'm the deceiver. I'm, I'm Jacob. I, 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 I admit, I confess who I am. Are you with me? 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, which means a prince with God. See, you go to the altar as who you were, and you came out as who God made you to be. See, if you, if you don't want to change, if you want to be the deceiver of the rest of your life and dodge and run and burn your bridges and have nowhere to go, then don't go to the altar. But you can go to the altar and you've lived a whole life of lying and deceiving and one encounter with God. He changes your name, your identity, your destiny, where you're going. He said, I'm going to change you. You're Israel now. You're not Jacob. You're not the deceiver. You're a prince with God. He said, because you struggled with God and have men and have overcome. And, and, and uh, he said, didn't tell me your name. He said, you don't need to know my name. Then he blessed him. Can I tell you really, watch this, on the altar, you don't really wrestle with God. I mean, nobody can out-wrestle God. Come on. Nobody ever put God in a half Nelson. You know what I'm saying. You, you haven't got God on his back and the referee's pounding. No, that's not what happened. You know what happened at the altar? I'm wrestling with me. I'm wrestling with me. Do you know what I put on the altar? I put me on the altar. I put my weakness and I put my failures and I put my hopes and my dreams. And you see, it's a lifestyle. It doesn't happen one time. See, a lot of people want to go to church, go to the altar, shake a preacher's hand, get their salvation card, walk out the door, and never come back again. Well, I did that. Check it off my list. I'm going to really make you want to throw your Bible up in the air. But just hold on. Don't act like it, all right? See, we want to go to that altar. We like that. I, I, I'm going to rattle your bones. But it's all right. We like that once saved, always saved, don't we? That's pretty sweet. I don't want a hundred altars. I just want one. I went, I went up there, shook my hand, got my name on the record at that church, got baptized. Now, I haven't been in church in 30 years, but somewhere back there is dusty. Let me try to find it. I got, I got an altar somewhere. Let me think. Where did I put that on? Where did I... Now, I... Mad or sad, I'm just trying to help you right now. So you like that one altar life, don't we? Don't you like that one altar? Well, I did. I got it. Got checked. I got a membership card somewhere here. Let me think. Where did I put that? Uh, I know where it is. It's in my Bible. Where's your Bible? I don't know where my Bible is either, but I got, I got something somewhere here. Huh? See, so, so he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to revolutionize your life. But it happens at the altar. It's where I draw near to God. God draws near to me. It's where I'm saying, I'm not looking for an excuse or an outlet. I'm looking for an encounter. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking for transformation. I want you to stand with me. Pastor Joy, come. If you leave right now, people will faint in the children's ministries and everywhere else. Don't, don't leave right now. Just stand up. Just stand up right where you are. We're not over. We're going to do some things different. Pastor, what can I do? See, I... Watch this, watch this. Oh, Jacob went in as Jacob and left as Israel, but remember he says he touched or struck his hip. Watch, 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 listen. It says when he, when he got up from that place, he had a limp. He had a limp. See, what happened, what happened is that he was reminded every day as he walked with God, I'm not the man that came there. He walked differently than he did before he came to that altar encounter with God. See, the proof that I met God is how I walk when I leave that altar. The proof that, that I encounter the living God is that I walk a different way than when I walked in that thing. The proof that you came and met God in this place today and heard His Word and opened your heart is not that I just heard a message, but I walk a different woman than I walked in this door today. See, I, I don't walk the way I used to walk. I, I walk different when I go to work now. I walk different when I, when I play golf now. I walk different when I watch even the national championship game now. I, I, I walk different, see, because I used to walk one way, but I walk like a man of God now. It doesn't mean that you look weird and you look like Festus and you walk weird. It just means that I don't rely on my flesh like I used to because now I've been altered in the presence of God. And I am a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I don't walk like I walked. I don't do what I did. And and so this world wants to pull on you. And we like that one time. Well, I did it. I got a t-shirt. No, no, no. I need to get back here again today. Because this stuff's trying to pull me off and that's trying to change me and everybody else around me is the same. But if I can be altered, I'm just beginning to take us through this. 
Would you take that journey with me over these next weeks? Would you say, God, I want to be altered. I know it's not going to be orderly. It may be kind of messy and and, 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 and kind of mess your schedule up. You're going to have to go back and find your Bible and your purse. And, and, and we're going to get crowded. People will get all up in your space. But, you know, I, I want everybody, if you would, in this room to leave where you're standing. Let's come make an altar with God right now. Come on, everybody. Everybody. Those that get here first, come close and, and span out to the sides. Can you do that from, from the wall? Well, make a 180-degree deal. Just come on. And if it fills up, just walk down the aisle as far as you can. Pastor, why are we doing this? Come on, just keep filling in. There, we can put five or six rows deep of people on both sides. Come on, just go like this, go like this, go like this. What dies on the altar? My flesh. My carnal nature. What I don't need. I quit playing games. Jacob, who are you? I'm the deceiver, God. Okay. See, come on, come on. We let's look. We got some room on this side and on that side, so everybody can get in. Come on, just kind of push around there like that. And I want, I want to encounter God today. I want you to encounter God today. I want the altar to become your lifestyle. It's not a bad place. It's the greatest place in the world. It's where I come and meet with God. See, there's, I could try to do it on my terms, do it a hundred different ways, but I don't leave changed. You know what I'm saying? It's religion. And, but when I come and say, God, here I am. No tricks, no deals. Are you with me? Just raw honesty. God, I'm the deceiver. I'm the one who stole my brother's blessing. Me and my mom had a plan. My family's dysfunctional. My dad likes my brother. My mom likes me. And they're favorites in the house. And all this kind of stuff is going on. But God, my mom's not my salvation. You are. Are you with me? And, and, and though somebody's trying to kill me, it doesn't matter if I meet you on this altar. And for the next seven weeks, I hope it becomes for the next seven years. And the next seven years. And stop being afraid of the altar. Let's start understanding what the altar is all about. And, 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 you know, it's not just this bench. There's no holy There's no holy articles now in the New Covenant. You understand that, don't you? What's holy is your heart. God says the sacrifices that please God, Psalms 51, are a broken and a contrite spirit. And you know, every time flesh was burned on the altar, the Bible says it was a sweet aroma to God. Isn't that crazy? The ugly, nasty, secret part of your life, when you give it to God, He said, that's beautiful. Isn't that amazing? So you know what I'm trying to tell you? Listen to me. God loves you at your worst. (laughs) What you're ashamed of when you put it on the altar smells like an offering to Him. That blows my mind. It's so opposite of how we live. Instead of hiding it, you know, no, no problem. I don't mean it's ugly for you. It's fine. Listen, probably if it wasn't against rules, I'd probably put some makeup on my face because, Lord, I could use some help. <laughs> because I'm a man, it just don't we understand work. But we want to cover it up. You, you ladies, you're beautiful, but you cover up. We put on everything to look right. You know what I'm saying? We cover everything up. And this whole world we live in is about hiding, covering. You understand? Everything's about nobody knows what's on the inside. I got ugly places and secret sins and lies and things I'm ashamed of. It's all about hiding in our culture today. It's all a facade. And God says, I want the ugliest, hidden, worst part of your life. And when you give it to me, oh, it smells sweet. What in the world? Nobody loves you like He loves you. Nobody knows you like God knows you. And the altar is where we meet Him. The altar. So today, you may have been saved 30 years. You may have never really given your heart to Jesus. Would you just come clean? 
and know He loves you. And know that everything you're not, He is. And just come as you are. Say, God, here's my life. Come on, let's pray. Make an altar right where you are. Father, we've come on this Sunday morning and we didn't come to play church. And I'm so thankful that when we come with the worst part of our life, you don't condemn us and ridicule us. You said you'll justify us through Jesus. He that knew no sin became our sin offering. That we could become righteous before you, God. So we want to be altered. Not once, but as a lifestyle. Oh, Jesus. All of our life, we wondered, would anybody love me if they knew me? What do I have to do so someone will like me? What performance am I on? What do I lie about, hide, cover up so that I'm acceptable? When we come to you and say, here I am at my worst, then I give you my life. No lies, no deals. Here we are, Jesus. And you love us. And you accept us. And you justify us through Jesus. Oh God, we want to be altered. We need to be altered. We we don't need new resolutions. We need an encounter with the living God. Lord, to seek your face. To come to you. To know you. You're the safest place. This altar is the safest place on the planet. There is no other like it. There's no substitute to come to you just as we You forgive us of every sin and you free us from every bondage. We come as Jacob, we leave as Israel. We come in the strength of our flesh and we walk away in the strength of your name. We walk different, we're changed. We're not pretenders, we are men and women who met you. And God, we must meet you every day. An altered lifestyle, a life changed by the altar. We love you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. We hold nothing back from you. This is not a game. It's not, it, it, it's not religion. It's a journey, an encounter. Lord, we want to know you like we've never known you. We want to trust you like we've never trusted you. We want to be vulnerable to you like we've never been before. Open doors. We've never let anyone in. We come to you today. It's time for change time for a change every family that's ever been transformed somebody went to the altar every nation that ever had revival some Christians went to the altar oh Jesus we want to be altered thank you for loving us thank you for changing us thank you for meeting us at the altar oh we love you Jesus Church family, aren't you thankful for the love of God? And aren't you thankful for the altar in your life? When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, go to the altar. When you're ready for change, make an altar right where you are, wherever you are. I'm so excited would be a surface word. I'm expectant about what God will do in us as we take this journey together. You don't have to raise your hand or say anything, but I want to ask you, don't respond just in your heart. Will you take this journey with me over these next few weeks? Let's begin to learn an altered lifestyle. Bring somebody with you. Meet me on Wednesday night. Fast on Wednesday. Let's just discover what God has in store for us. Amen. I bless you today in the name of Jesus. Look at this Look at this family around the altar. My God. Everything this world needs is right here. Around this altar. What God will do through you and in you, unbelievable. I love you. You're going to have a great week this week. You're going to have an altered week this week. See? If you want your week to change, get on the altar. You want your family to change, let's get to the altar, right? Love you guys. Believe in you guys. I'm glad to do life with you.